Well, good morning, everyone. I'm certainly happy to be here today. Very excited to, to get the opportunity to stand before you. If you hadn't noticed, uh, David is not here today. He's on vacation. It is a well-deserved vacation because after enough time, David gets tired of talking and the rest of us get tired of listening to him. So I'm just kidding. That was just a joke. David never gets tired of talking. So we're gonna, if you guys hadn't figured out by now, I'm not the normal guy, especially if you're visiting with us. You may not have immediately known that if 17 people hadn't have said so first. So what we're going to do this morning is try to dig into the word a little bit. Now, I do slides a little bit different than David. In fact, I think my little clicker's missing, so Miles is just going to have to guess at when to go to the next slide. It'll be fun. I don't put, I don't know. Is it, oh, it's over here. I guess I can use that. So it turns out that the last time I had an opportunity to speak was actually New Year's Day. When I was up here on New Year's Day, I shocked and concerned some of you by telling you about a particular medical issue that I was having. I really worried some people because, you see, I'd been to the doctor. He told me that my lungs were not functioning correctly because my immune system was actually attacking them. And it turned out that I needed this medication that was not covered by insurance and costs about $130,000 a year. And without that medication, eventually, I was going to die. Now, I want to give you a quick update on that because I have some good news. My doctor contacted Blue Cross and he told them, this is a life and death situation. He needs to have this medication. And they agreed to pay for it. So that was great news. I was able to start the medication. And the next day, I was, when I woke up, I was able to take in the first full breath that I could take in in over two years. It has been absolutely amazing. As it turns out, when you find out that something is a life and death situation, people tend to take things pretty seriously. And you know, I decided to take his words very seriously when he said those to me. Perhaps you're one of the people who has gotten news like this from a doctor in the past. I didn't have cancer in particular, but I know that's been a diagnosis that we have people in this very room who have experienced, and it is a scary moment. It is very somber and very serious. We have people in this room who are going through that right now. And this church, these people do such a wonderful job at swelling around them and supporting people during these times that are a very, very serious nature. This morning, we are going to look at a very serious message that was delivered to just a young boy in the Old Testament who became a king. You see, during the time of Josiah, a life or death message came to him as well. But first, to understand what was going on, you're going to have to understand what was going on at the time. So open your Bibles with me to 2 Kings. I don't have all the slides behind me and all the verses, so you're just going to have to follow along. The words may not be exactly the same in your particular translation, but I think you'll see that the same message is there. So if you've opened your Bible to 2 Kings, there, we're going to be in chapter 22 and 23 for the most part today. But before we get there, I want to give you an idea of what was going on in the land of Israel. There's a great summary that's actually written back in chapter 17. So flip a few pages back there for a moment. And we're going to begin in 2 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to read verse 7. 
In 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 7, it says, This happened because the Israelites sinned against the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and freed them from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods. They observed the practices of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them, and they followed the example of the kings of Israel. The Israelites said things about the Lord their God that were not right. Kind of sounds a little bit like a nation we live in today, doesn't it? These are a people who came here so that they could worship God in the way that they felt was right. These are people who came here and they worked hard and, and they, they followed God and God blessed the nation. He rose us up now to be one of the most powerful nations in the world. And then all of a sudden, people got lost and started following the ideas of men, their own desires, and they started to see things their own way and they started to say things about God that were not right. Does that sound familiar to anyone? You can't hardly turn on the news without having a little relation to what was going on in Israel at this time. In verse 10, it says, They set up sacred pillars and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. They burned incense in all the high places, just like the nations whom the Lord had driven away before them did. Their evil practices made the Lord angry. They worshipped the disgusting idols in blatant disregard for the Lord's command. Now that's kind of a scary situation to think about. And if you flip over to chapter 22, we're going to come on the scene. You, we're skipping over several kings that came and went. This was the situation that was going on in the land of Israel. Everyone was supposed to be worshiping God. They were supposed to be doing the right thing. And they found themselves just sort of walking off doing their own thing. Taking the ideas of men, walking away, doing whatever they felt was right. And just perverting and walking away from what God wanted. They were worshiping idols in that land. Now, we think it's kind of silly to the, uh, of the idea of worshiping like this, this image of a golden calf or something like that. But are there idols that we see in America today? Well, of course there are. There's people out there who are worshiping sports figures. There are people out there who are worshiping political ideologies. There are people out there who are going out and trying to create their own flags, their own images, their own idols that they want to worship. And yet... This is the sort of society that Josiah, just a little boy, grew up in. All the adults that were around him were telling him the wrong things. They were saying things about God that was not true. This little boy happened to become king when he was just eight years old. Just eight years old. Can you imagine that? This young boy who's supposed to figure out how the world works, supposed to figure out how to lead a people, and everyone around him, all the adults, are all messed up. They're all telling him the wrong things. And yet, he decides that he's going to get a bunch of guys together. They're going to go up, and they are going to assemble a group of guys. They're going to go back to the temple. At this point, the temple of the Lord, now they got all sorts of other temples all around Israel, in all these high places, hiding up on these mountains, all these different places. These are things and places that they should not be. But the temple of the real Lord, the true God who brought them out of Israel, they'd forgotten about that. They just sort of let it sit there and decay. The temple was in total disrepair. So Josiah says, we're going to get some guys together. We're going to go back up there, and we're going to fix that. We're going to bring that up. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to make some repairs. They're going, to, they're going to take some gold and some silver that some people are still contributing. We're going to melt that stuff down. We're going to start doing some repairs. And this is what we have going on in 2 Kings chapter 22. 
Now, at this point, they're digging around. They're fixing the place up. They've got some contractors in there. They're doing the work. And they stumble across something that nobody had seen in quite a long time. If you read with me in, ch in uh, chapter 22, in verse 8, it says that Hilkah, the high priest, informed Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the scroll of the law in the Lord's temple. Now, we don't know exactly which scroll that was, exactly which book of the Bible. Our best guess is it's probably the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I don't know if you've read the book of Deuteronomy, okay? But a lot of people, they, they start at the beginning of the year, and they're like, I'm going to read through the Bible this year, right? You know, and they, they read through Genesis, and they're like, oh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's good. You know, you've got some, some floods and some wars and some different stuff going on. And, and then you get to, to Exodus, and you're like, oh, you know, there, there's plagues and, and, you know, manna from heaven and pillars of fire and, and, you know, water crashing, killing armies. Like, that's kind of interesting, you know. And then they get to Leviticus. And Leviticus is a killer for some. And, and if you don't know why I'm saying it's a killer, you haven't read it. Okay. They get to Leviticus, and if you get through that, then there's Deuteronomy. And, you know, you're trying to read through Deuteronomy, and by the time you get to, like, the 40th meal offering, you're like, would God mind if I just skip something here? Like, do I really have to read through all of this stuff? And that's the book, to our best guess, that they found. They read it to each other, and they're like, oh, man, we got to go tell the king. So they run back, and they tell Josiah, the king, we found this book of the law. It's Deuteronomy. It's so interesting. And they read the entire book to the king. Look down at verse 11. Actually, verse 10. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, Hilkah the high priest has given me a scroll. Shaphan opened and read it out loud before the king. The whole thing. He's eight years old. He read the entire book of Deuteronomy. Like, I'd be happy if my kids could stay awake through the entire book of Deuteronomy. But this guy, in verse 11, says, When the king heard the words of the law scroll, he tore his clothes. Now, this sounds a little bit weird to us because we don't walk around tearing our clothes all the time. So you've got to understand what this meant to the people at the time. You see... Back in the ancient world, when somebody tore their clothes, that meant that they were upset, that they were in mourning, that they were so emotionally disturbed, so impacted, that they tore their clothes because that was going to be a reminder. That was a public display at the time to walk around with torn clothes. Now, chances are, some of you may have accidentally torn a piece of clothes at some point, and you just threw them away and got a new set, right? Back in the ancient days, it wasn't like that. Sure, he was the king. He had access to more clothing. But when people tore their clothes, that was typically the only set of clothing that they had. So you know what they had to do after the clothes were ripped? Right? Anyone alive in the 1950s probably remembers this. They had to sew it back up. And then they had to wear that same piece of clothing around with this sort of mended thing in this big section of thread. And every time they saw that thread, it reminded them of that family member who died, who they were so upset that they tore their clothes. Or that instance in that moment that was so impactful. It's kind of like, you know when you're a kid, you do something stupid and you hurt yourself? And then later on, you have a scar. And then every time you go around, every time you feel that scar, every time you see it, every time somebody asks about it, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's when I did this. It serves as a constant reminder. And that's how this clothing was 
for the king and for everyone else. It was such a deep, impactful moment because he read the book of Deuteronomy. See, I wonder sometimes how serious we take this book. How serious do we take it? He only had the book of Deuteronomy. He read one of the most dead, boring books in all scripture. And he was so impacted, so emotionally distraught, that he tore his clothing. And yet, how many of us have this book on a shelf collecting dust? How often are we reading it that we have the entire scripture, we have everything? How seriously are we taking this book? Because the king took it so seriously, this eight-year-old boy, that he had torn his clothes because he realized that what they were doing was not what the book said. And it bothered him so much to his very core. How much time do you spend in the scriptures compared to how much time you spend on Netflix? How much time do you spend in the book or on Facebook? How, if you're too young for that, how much time do you spend reading the scripture versus watching that tic-tac thing that kids tell me about? <clears throat> what are our priorities? And what do we take? Do we take our faith and our lives seriously enough? You see, this king did. And not only was he so upset that he tore his clothes, but more things happened in the land of Israel because of how seriously the king took this. You see, he, he went and asked some people what some of this stuff meant, and he got this stuff together, and he said, we want to figure out what to do next. And what this king realized is what this book told him was so compelling, so important, so impactful, that not only was he changed personally, but he realized that he had to get all the Israelites together. Every man, woman, and child, he assembled them all together in the land of Israel. And you know what he did? He stood up there, and they read the whole thing to all the people. So this morning, we're going to read the entire book of Deuteronomy. No, we're really not. But they took it that seriously that all the people did that. And, and so many people were impacted. So many people were touched. And do we take our lives, our faith, do we take this book seriously enough that when we read it, it compels us to go out and tell every single person that we know? Do, do, are we so overwhelmed that we want to get out there and get everyone together and be like, you've got to listen to this? Because it makes a difference. This book will change your life. And he got all the people together. He read the entire book of Deuteronomy to them. But that wasn't the end of it either. Not only did I just tell him about it, but he was the king. He was Josiah. So he was so compelled that he took action. You know what the king does when he takes action? He realizes not only was he fixing the real temple of the true God, but there's a whole bunch of other temples around there. All those other temples, they did some stuff that God doesn't want you to do in those temples. And he realized that the people would look on that, kind of think that looked nice, and they, they might come back for a while, but, oh, man, may, maybe we should go back and check some of that stuff out, too. So you know what he did? He said, okay, this stuff is going to tempt you guys. It's going to lead you off back into sin. So here's what we're going to do. Bring it all out. He had, you can read, we don't have time to read all this stuff this morning, but go through and read all this stuff in 2 Kings chapter 23 
that Josiah did. They got everything together. They brought everything out of the temples. They brought their altars down. They did all sorts of stuff. All the astropoles are like, cut those down. They're made of wood. We're going to throw them in this big pile in the middle. And you know what he decided to do with all the idols, all the other things in their life that they were worshiping and wanted to deal with? He decided it was time to burn it all down. Do you know what happens when you burn something to the point that it just goes out? Because there's nothing left to burn. It's gone. There are no more idols. There are no more things to go back to. There are no more cravings and desires because even if I had a craving, there's nothing that, that, that I'm going to... It's gone. And if we're taking this book seriously and it's having that much of an impact on us, that is the kind of impact that this should have on us. That is the action that we should be taking in our lives, is getting rid of everything else. Now that doesn't mean that you have to cancel your Netflix subscription and can't possibly watch it. But maybe you should set that content rating so it shows you just stuff appropriate for kids. Just saying. Maybe you should go back. Now, if that's a super huge temptation for you, maybe you do need to get rid of it. If that's just such a temptation that you can maybe some people worship their 401ks. Now I'm stepping on some toes. What is it in your life that you need to get rid of so that you can be fully devoted to this book because it will have that much of an impact if you're spending time in it? Are you taking that seriously enough? You see, it was a message of life and death. Look at chapter 22 and hear what the king heard as a message explained to him. Look at verse 16. This is what the Lord has said. I'm about to bring disaster on this place and its residents, all the things in the scroll that the king of Judah has read. This is what will happen because they have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to other God, angering me with all the idols that they have made. My anger will ignite against them and the place will not be extinguished. His fire burned so much in anger, not because they had things in life, not because that they had blessings or wealth or riches, because God gave them all those things. The problem was they took those riches, they took their own ideas, and they placed them above God because they didn't take the words of the scripture seriously enough. Do you? Do you take the words of scripture seriously enough when you read them? Is that the sort of thing that is a priority in your life? You see, if you look into chapter 23, down in verse 21, it says, The king ordered all the people to observe the Passover that the Lord your God had prescribed in the scroll of this covenant. He issued this edict because a Passover like this had not been observed since the days of the judges who led Israel. It was neglected for the entire period of the kings of Israel and Judah. They had strayed so far, they didn't even know what they were supposed to be doing anymore because they weren't reading the book. They weren't checking with the scrolls. They weren't looking to God to find out what they should be doing. They were only looking to their own desires. We live in a world today that tells everyone to follow your own heart, your own desires, do whatever makes you happy. Maybe, just maybe, we should be spending our time trying to do what makes God happy and not us. 
Maybe we should be getting rid of the idols in our life, taking what we want and setting it aside for what God wants. You see, that is what this particular king did. And in verse 25 of chapter 23, it says, No king before or after repented before the Lord as he did with his whole heart, his whole soul, and being in accordance with the whole law of Moses. Now, can you imagine that being so dedicated, so focused, that every fiber of your being was focused on God? That it compelled you to act in such a way that everyone you ran into, you had to tell them about this marvelous, wonderful Savior that we have. Yeah. Is that what it's like in your life? <clears throat> Is that what your day-to-day -day weeks are in between Sundays when you come here and hear a message like this? See, sometimes I wonder if Christians take this seriously enough. Flip your Bibles over to the book of Revelations. This will be real easy to find. It's the last one. In chapter 3, there's a letter to a church in Laodicea. You've probably heard this one before. In fact, it tells He's talking to Christians, mind you. This is a letter to the church. And when he tells them that they are not, I would rather that you be hot or cold because when you are lukewarm, you get this? You're not taking this seriously enough. What's he going to do? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Now, that's pretty harsh. And yet, a lot of times we focus on that, and we miss some very important words that are coming right after that. Look at verse 17. What is the response of these people, of these Christians even? I am rich, and I've acquired great wealth, and I need nothing. In fact, they believe that they needed nothing so much so that they thought they didn't need God anymore. And yet these... We're supposed to be Christians. I don't need to read the book. I've read it before. I completed one of those plans. I've read the whole thing. I'm done. Or do I need to keep reading it over and over again and let that dwell within me? Because you notice what happened to these people who thought they were so rich, they thought they had it all, kind of like so many people in this country, maybe even someone sitting in this room today. Because sometimes we look at our lives and we think, I have a beautiful house. I have a beautiful family, I have a car, I can get around, I have money to take care of. I don't have to worry about a thing. But verse 17 says, Because you say, I am rich and I have acquired great wealth and need nothing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Take my advice and buy gold from me, refined by fire, so that you can become rich. Buy from me white clothing so that you can be clothed and your shameful nakedness will not be exposed. And buy eye salve and put on your eyes so that you can see. All those I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. What do you suppose that sounds like? You see, when I was a little kid, or at least a little younger, I always sort of envisioned, you know, how my, my parents taught me to knock on a door, the sort of nice, polite knocking, you know? But the more that I read this, the more that I realize how seriously I'm supposed to take this, and I realize that Jesus is out there and he's knocking on the door, I don't think it sounds like that at all. How many people have ever seen one of those, like, 
horror movies or one of those mystery things where you've got the big evil sociopath that's running around killing everybody? Ever seen someone go up to a door in one of those movies? You know what happens? You know what it sounds like? You know what it looks like? Right? The guys on the outside are sort of putting the puzzle pieces together and they realize that the killer is really the guy that's with all their friends inside. Right? How is it that they start to knock on that door? Maybe they show up and all of a sudden when they're banging on the door, it's not a nice pleasant knock, is it? They're going up there and they're saying, let me in! Let me in! And that's the way that I think this sounds when Jesus starts to knock at the door. He's begging us, I have the ability to save you. You're going to die in your sins. It is time that you let me in. But will you answer? Will you open that door? You see, at some point, you're like, well, Jesus is powerful enough. Why is he banging on the door trying to get in to save me? Why doesn't he just break the door down? Oh, he will. He will. Because he's going to come back, but at that point, time's up. If you wait for Jesus to break the door down to get in, guess what? You're already dead. He's banging on that door. He's just saying, please, let me in. I can save you. This is your chance. And my advice to you is to take it. You might be someone who is here today that has been through all of this. You may be someone who's been part of the church but realizes that you haven't been taking this word seriously. You may not even know what it says because you haven't spent enough time in it. You may have read some things, but it's never been taken so seriously that it compels you to act and to reach out and to tell everyone that you see. Maybe you're here today. And you hear Jesus knocking and pounding and pulling at your heart. And you haven't ever let him in. Now is your chance. We can take you up here. We've got water in the baptistry behind us. We can lower you into there. You can be buried. Your sins can die forever. And you can come through it just like that precious gold that goes through the refining fires. And all the impurities are now gone. And you can live and you can be free. But your chance to do that is right now as we stand and sing.